My name is Christian. And I'm Rob. And this is Faith 168. There are 168 hours in every week. And in those 168 hours, we need Jesus to make it through. So join us every week as we share devotions, talk about standing boldly in the Word of God, and answer tough questions submitted by you, our listeners. Welcome Welcome to to Faith 168. Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening. Whatever time you're listening to this, we thank you so much for joining us here at Faith 168. We are so sorry that for the past couple of weeks we've been in and out, but there's a lot of life changes going on for both me and Brother Rob. Uh, So uh, I want to congratulate Brother Rob. He's a, a daddy three times over now. That's and right. Thank you, brother. So, and that's exciting, right? You're getting plenty yeah. of sleep. Yeah, absolutely. A lot of. <laughs> yeah, I know how that is. And then uh, we'll be even busier too because I'm about to have another one. Right. As well. well, I say I'm about to have another one. I'm not doing much of the work right. on it. So, <laughs> but my wife Katie, she'll uh, she'll be having another baby. We are having a baby in February, oh. so we'll be pretty busy at that time too. But we thank you so much for joining us, and we thank you so much for being patient with us as well. And we're so excited to be able to record another episode and try and get back on track with all of these things. And tonight, we've got a really cool topic that we're going to talk about. I think sometimes uh, we we find ourselves in this dilemma as Christians that the actions we're taking, where is the line at? What's what's right, what's wrong, what are we allowed to do, what are we not allowed to do, things like that. And so there's this question that Brother Rob raised, what is lawful for the believer? What what can we do? Uh, and, and we've talked a little bit about things like this, you know, we know that we can't be separated from the love of God. We know that we're forgiven. But what exactly does that mean when we look at this understanding that we're no longer under the law, but we're under grace? Uh, and so the question remains, what is lawful to the believer? And Brother Rob, uh, I'll let you go ahead and just start out. Tell us what you think about that topic. Yeah, absolutely. When I when I think about this, I, I think about uh, Galatians chapter 5. It's one of the most beautiful places we can go in, in Scripture to learn about the freedom we have in Christ and, and what that looks like. And so Galatians chapter 5 verse 1 says, For freedom Christ set us free. Stand firm then and don't submit again to a yoke of slavery. And so I, I just love this. So first of all, what what Paul is saying here is that Jesus freed us for a purpose. What purpose was that? Freedom's own sake. So so we could be free and enjoy him. What are we free from? We're free from um, the penalty of sin. So if I'm a believer, then I am free from the eternal damnation of the soul that awaits those who are not in Christ, who have not been forgiven and redeemed. So I'm, I'm freed from that eternal punishment, or I'm, I'm freed from the, the punishment uh, of sin. I'm also free um, from the, I'm not free from the presence of sin because we still walk 
in its presence, but one day the promise is I will be free from the presence of sin. Uh, mm-hmm. Paul and other places will talk about how one day when when Jesus comes back, the dead in Christ shall rise first, and then we who are left will gather together to meet him in the air. And from there, we will be made um, anew. We'll be given new glorified bodies. Those glorified bodies will be without sin, and they'll be uh, we'll be able to to live without sin because we won't have the sin nature that we carry around with this flesh. And so we're promised freedom from the presence of sin. Uh, but but one thing that we and most Christians understand those two things. We understand that that we're freed from the punishment, and we understand that we will be freed from the presence. But one thing we don't understand often is that. We are free from the the penalty of of our sins right now, and so what do I mean by that? Um, we're going to get into this, but yeah, what do you mean by that? <laughs> in in the freedom we have right now, what Jesus has promised is that all sin was paid for on the cross. Your sin and my sin, any who call upon the name of the Lord, will be saved. Our salvation is because of what Jesus did on the cross, and he took out the fullness of the wrath of God for you and for me. So if I am saved, then as I walk, if I sin, I have an advocate with the Father. And so what that means is that that, that is not held against me. Because I walk in the freedom of Christ. Now, does that mean that I should sin just because I'm free from the penalty and free, going to be free from the presence? Absolutely not. And, and that's something that you're going to bring up in just a few minutes, I believe, brother. But but yeah. what we have to understand first is that freedom. Because mm-hmm. it's, this is so liberating. We don't have to walk around worrying about, about every little thing that we do. And, and I see so many Christians struggling with the idea of always offending God. And yeah. the truth of the matter, brother, and, and I think you can attest to this as well as I can, there's an old saying, and I don't know who says it, but the it says the less you sin, so the closer you get to God, the less you sin, but the less you sin, the more you understand your sin, and so the less you sin, the, the more of a weight that sin becomes. So you understand the, the penalty of that sin. You understand what it, what Jesus had to go through for that sin. But what we also can understand is that we're not tied to that anymore, that it has been taken away from us. We are free. Isaiah chapter 61 uh, says this, The Spirit of the Lord God is on me because the Lord has uh, anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and freedom to the prisoners. Uh, Jesus goes on and and reads this, and he says, today this has been fulfilled in your presence. Jesus himself came to set us free. Set us free from what? The penalty and the presence of sin. There's good news, though, brother. It doesn't end there. And this is the beauty of the story of God and his grace towards us. Uh, if you're familiar with God's story, you know that Moses, uh, that God gave Moses the law and that in order to try to uh, appease God, 
that men for uh, 1,500 years uh, tried to follow the law. Uh, but there was a problem with that. Yeah. Under yeah. our flesh, in our flesh, we cannot keep that law. Uh, brother, do you know the exact number? It's like 620, maybe? some. It's 600 and something laws. I always just err to the six. It's 600 <laughs> some odd laws because you can... Some people argue about, you know, if some laws are just explaining yeah. another law, you know, things like that. But there's over 600, and I can't even follow 10 of them. So. <laughs> right. Yeah, the Ten Commandments catch me, and so we don't even yeah. have to look to 600. Um, yeah, just go and, to Exodus and, chapter 20 and see how you fare. <laughs> right. And, and so what, what we see is that in order to please God, we have to follow the, the law. In fact, uh, if you look at... Matthew chapter 5, it's the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount, and the, the last verse there in chapter five, 5 says, Therefore be perfect, as your Father in heaven is perfect. And brother, it, that does not describe me. Um, mm-hmm. I, I have problems with that because that, that's not me. If I, I want to get to heaven, I have to be perfect, as my Father in heaven is perfect. I can't do it. I, I've already messed that up. Um, I've got a blemish, and I'm probably messed it up today and I'm probably going to mess it up again tomorrow because I, I'm carrying around this flesh. But what Jesus has done is freed us not only from the slavery of sin, but also the slavery of the law. Did you know that the New Testament says that that God is not ever pleased by the blood of bulls and goats? Um, he's pleased in Christ, his son, who laid his life down for us. Uh, And so in Christ, the law is fulfilled. And as I walk in him, I don't have to worry about the law. Now, do I keep the Ten Commandments or do I try to keep those? Absolutely. But we're going to talk about that in a minute. But the, the, the fact of the matter is that I'm freed from the law because the law couldn't save me because I it didn't give me the power to, to keep the law. But in Christ, yeah. I come and he has freed me from it. And now I get to walk in freedom. And so that brings up a lot of questions. And and I get a lot that I'm too much, uh, that I, I preach a message that is too good, that it's just too good to be true, that uh, I, I preach grace and grace and grace, and, and there's no hellfire and brimstone or any of that kind of thing. And, and the reason that I get accused of that is because I, I preach the Bible. And, and right. guess what the Bible is, is full of? Grace from that hellfire and brimstone. <laughs> right. Grace upon grace upon grace. Now, what was did Jesus talk about hell? Absolutely. And, and I'm not saying that we can't talk about hell because I think it's vitally important we understand the consequence of sin. Uh, I'll be the first one to talk about the consequence of sin, but in Christ, we are not under the law. We're under grace. Um, once again, that doesn't mean that the Ten Commandments don't apply to us. What that means is that we are freed from the law that we have freedom in Christ to walk as his children. Um, And and so what I want to do is I want to move on to verse 13 uh, because 
I, I'm kind of getting into your territory, and so I, I want to oh, get no, there. Take, take it all. <laughs> but I, wanna get there, so, I, so I wanted can... to note this interesting yeah. thing when you were talking about the the blood of bulls and and goats. Uh, you know the the saying there the, in scripture is that that doesn't please God, but obedience pleases mm-hmm. God, right. and sometimes we can misunderstand exactly what that means. Does that mean Mm -hmm. that we have to be perfect, but we understand further that Christ was the obedient one. That's right. Meaning that we don't have any obedience in our life, but you know, scripture also tells us that he was obedient, obedient, even unto his own death, the death of the cross. And, And so that, you know, that's just a little tidbit. I always, I always like thinking about that because you said, yeah. you know, he's pleased in his son because his son yep. is obedient. That's right. that's right. And, and he's an ob- obedient in a way that we never could be. Right. Um, and then we have that, that beautiful verse that, that I reference probably every time I talk about scripture. Uh, but, yeah. um, you know, for he who well, knew no sin, became yeah. sin that we might become his righteousness. So in him, we, we don't have to worry about the law because Jesus became our sin. And in turn, we became his righteousness. Now I, I'm, I'm saying all this and we're going to get to the part of um, what we need to do in order to follow uh, and be obedient to Christ because being a Christian doesn't mean just receiving grace. It also means Matthew chapter 28, um, baptize, teach, disciple, and teach them to observe everything I've commanded you. So there's a, a right. obedience in that as well. Uh, but it's a, it's a different type of obedience. It's not a legalistic obedience. It's obedience that there's grace seven times, 70 times. And so there's freedom that we have to walk in obedience, even when we don't do it perfectly. But anyway, so let's get to verse 13, and then I'm going to hand it over to you. For uh, for you, uh, we're called to be free. Brothers and sisters, only don't use this freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but serve one another through love. Verse 14, for the whole law is fulfilled in one statement, love your neighbor as yourself. And so this is this is exactly where we're we're headed. Uh, what is obedience in Christ? It is that that blessed commandment that Jesus talks about um, to in Matthew chapter twenty two to love God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and to love your neighbor as yourself. And so that is where I'm going to turn it over to you, brother, for for commentary on what I just talked about, and then to go on with your scripture. Yeah, I I remember growing up, and I, I still hear this every once in a while, but now that I'm a pastor, uh, people don't bring this up near as often because they know that I'm going to have something to say about it. But And you probably remember this too, and if you're a Christian, you hear this probably once a week, uh, talking about sin. When someone messes up, when someone gets in to sin, they have this saying that, oh, God will forgive me. And that is true. So when we're talking about what's lawful for the believer, there's there's an open door in that sense. But the way that we go through that door matters. Yeah. And true. when we're thinking about 
hey, you know, I can mess up as much as I want, so I'm going to, mm-hmm. because God will forgive me, mm-hmm. then you're abusing this grace. And, and if, I, if I may, it, yeah. it's an abuse um, that if you're openly saying it, I would look in a mirror and really see if 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 I really had the grace to begin with. Uh, because that's not something who is in love with, with Jesus would say. Um, and so right. that is a, a good mirror to look into. If you're saying, um, I have Jesus, so I'm forgiven and I'm going to do what I want, when I want, how I want it. Um, that's a good mirror that, that tells you where exactly you are. And, and, yeah. And, so, well, and, and just, just think about, you know, your marriage and, and my marriage as well if we truly love our wives, are we going to do things purposefully that go against their wishes and then just say, hoo hoo, you know, they're graceful and and they are so much more graceful. And, and, you know, if I can say this, I I really believe my wife is so much better than me. I'd never say that to her face though, of course, (laughs) but, uh, you know, uh, would I really be in love with Katie? Would you really be in love with your wife if if you just did things that displeased her and did it purposely knowing that she's going to forgive you? There's that term, you know, ask forgiveness, not permission, uh, right. because you know that you're going to have to ask for forgiveness later. So just go ahead and just do this. Don't Don't go through the hoops, things like that. But uh, yeah, I heard that all the time growing up. I don't hear it as much now as a pastor, but you know, hey, God's going to forgive me so I can do whatever I want. Mm -hmm. And how we should really look at it is when we do mess up, we shouldn't fret so much and beat ourselves up because God is going to forgive us. Right. But we shouldn't sit down in our sin. We shouldn't wallow in it. We shouldn't sit there and say, you know what? Hey, you know, we're forgiven, so we can continue to do that. And that we've probably heard this term before, a license to sin. We use grace a lot as a license to sin. And if you are using it as a license to sin, I'm going to tell you today, I'm revoking your license. Uh, but no, I can't do that. God can, though. He'll, he'll, <laughs> he'll let us know. But I want to look at Romans chapter 6. Uh, uh, Paul talks about this. And in, in leading up to Romans chapter six, we see this thing talking about grace here, this, this idea of grace. And Paul brings up that where our sin is, grace abounds much more. If you have a lot of sin and you have faith in Christ, grace is much greater than your sin. So there's nothing that we can do. There's nowhere we can go in our sin that the grace of God cannot cover. And sometimes we like to put one sin over the other in our human way of thinking, but God simply looks at sin as sin and he forgives sin and remembers it no more. But this question is asked in Romans chapter six, verse one, And Paul says, what should we say then? Should we continue in sin so that grace may multiply? Absolutely not. How can we who died to sin still live in it? And then if we 
jump over to uh, verse 15 of chapter 6, we see an even better understanding as he's continuing to talk about sin, grace, and now he talks about grace and the law. And so he says, what then should we sin because we are not under the law, but under grace? Absolutely not. Don't you know that if you offer yourselves to someone as obedient slaves, you were slaves of that one you obey, either of sin leading to death or of obedience leading to righteousness. But thank God that although you used to be slaves of sin, you obeyed from the heart that pattern of teaching to which you were handed over. And having been set free from sin, you became enslaved to righteousness. I'm using a human analogy because of the weakness of your flesh. For just as you offered the parts of yourselves as slaves to impurity and to greater and greater lawlessness, so now offer them as slaves to righteousness, which results in sanctification. For when you were slaves of sin, you were free with regard to righteousness. So what fruit was produced then from the things that you are now ashamed of? The outcome of those things is death. But now, since you have been set free from sin and have become enslaved to God, you have your fruit, which results in sanctification, and the outcome is eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. And so we see that a true faith, even though we are forgiven of all sin, that there's nothing in this world that can separate us from the love of God. There's no sin that we can stumble in that will cause us to lose our salvation. If we have a true faith in God and we have become enslaved to God, enslaved to righteousness, and he says, I'm using this human term, this human analogy, because it's a difficult thing to understand. But wouldn't you obey who you are enslaved to? Wouldn't you obey the one that you're following? And so we did a great job of following sin because that's our nature, our fallen nature. We did too good at following sin. And Paul asked this question. So if, if we're no longer following our desires, our sinful desires, but we're following Christ, would there be some type of fruit to show in our life that we're following Christ that instead of walking in sin, we would walk in his righteousness? And there's two ways I look at righteousness when I'm talking to students. In fact, when I go through the book of Romans, I always say beforehand a couple different words and the kids repeat it back to me and what it means. But righteousness means two things just to kind of break it down and understand it. But righteousness is right living and righteousness is right standing before mm -hmm. God. And you can see that in the context because we're called to walk in the righteousness of Christ, the right living of Christ. That doesn't mean we won't stumble, but we know that because of his grace, when we stumble, he picks us back up. Mm -hmm. He gets us back on track. And so there has to be some type of fruit in your life. And I've always heard this. You probably heard this too, Brother Rob, uh, that, and I might step on some toes and people might get mad about this, but when you say there's no way that person's a Christian, mm. pe people will say a lot of times you can't determine whether someone is a follower of Christ or not. And 
there, to an extent, there are some gray areas. Sometimes yeah. you can ask yourself like, well, maybe they're just not having a good day because I guarantee you there are days that people look at me and might think there's no way that he's a Christian. But, yeah. you know, I, I see you uh, a lot. Well, not as, not a whole lot. I don't see you, but I talk to you a lot, Rob. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, I, I see the fruit that is in mm-hmm. your life. Uh, and there are a lot of people in my life too, that I see the fruit of their life and I can look at the the fruit of your life and I know you're not perfect. We, we share our shortcomings with each other and, and, uh, pray for each other and lift each other up. So I know that you're not perfect. You know that I'm not perfect, but I see fruit, the fruit of the spirit Mm -hmm. in your life. I see the righteousness of Christ in you, not your righteousness, but the righteousness of Christ in you. I see him working through your life, but I also see other people that I'm around in my community that don't have that fruit. Mm -hmm. And I can determine by that fruit, you know, who they are serving. If they're constantly serving sin, then I'm going to come to this conclusion that they are a dead tree. Yeah. Just like, you know, Jesus talks about that, that dead fig tree and Mm -hmm. it wasn't bearing good fruit. And so it got cast aside. It it withered up and died uh, at his command. And we, we can notice these things and you can notice when someone really is following Christ or when someone is following their own sinful desire. But Ultimately, there, there's this fine line there, and, and it, it gets kind of blurry sometimes, mm-hmm. uh, especially you know when when we're trying to justify ourselves in different ways. But what what's lawful to the believer? And I, I think there's a simple answer: everything's lawful to the believer. Right. But that that answer is has a lot of backstory to it. Like big caveat. Yeah. Where, where does it, I can't, I can't remember where it says in scripture. Uh, I think it was Paul that said it. uh, He said, all things are lawful, but do all things benefit you? Right. That's uh, that's, first Corinthians chapter six. Yeah. Yeah. And, And so there's that question, you know, it's answered right there. Yeah. All things are lawful. We're forgiven of our sin. But just because we're forgiven of our sins, should we use that as a license to sin? Or maybe should we look at what's going on in our life and say, hey, is this beneficial to me as a Christian? Is this beneficial to the world around me? Um, and I can tell you an easy answer as a Christian to find out whether it's beneficial in your life or not. Is it going to lead someone to Christ or is it going to push someone away from Christ? Right. And if it's going to push someone away from Christ, whatever action you're taking or whatever you're about to do, that is sin. And that opens the door to what sin is, making it a very broad topic. Uh, for example, uh, there's nothing wrong with eating meat at all. Right. Right. And Paul brought that up. But he said if his brother was against him eating meat, then he wasn't going to be a stumbling block. Right. And that's that would be something very difficult for me because I really like steak, right? And but I, I would have to really pray about that. But if someone said, "I can't listen to you, Chris, right now because you're eating steak," I'm not. That doesn't mean I'm going to go home and 
and live that out. When I'm at home, I'm eating steak. But if someone can't hear me mm-hmm. and receive the gospel from me, yeah, because I'm eating something just silly like steak in front of them, yeah. it would be a sin for me, right? To at that moment, because it's not beneficial at that moment to eat that meat mm-hmm. and call someone to stumble or to reject Christ, right? And that's what I got. What you got, brother? Yeah, so um, I want to uh, to share this, um, and then I want us to uh, to go somewhere else with this. And um, so I, I want to, uh, because I want this to be beneficial to us. And I think that knowledge is always beneficial. So, so the truth is what sets us free, right? That's what the what Jesus said. Mm-hmm. That, um, the the truth Jesus is the truth and so the the truth is uh vitally important and so just understanding the truth is great and it's absolutely vital but being able to apply the truth is also important so i want to get into the um the nitty gritty of what this means for for our lives um but before i get there i want to go back to galatians chapter 5 and and help us to understand why all things are lawful to us, but not all things are beneficial. So it says, but the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self, self-control. self The law is not against such things. Now those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh uh, with its possessions and desires. If we live by the spirit, let us also Keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become um, conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. And so what, what we see here is if we have the fruits of the Spirit, uh, if we're walking in lockstep with the Spirit, then there is no law against anything we do, that we can do all things lawfully because we're doing them in the Spirit. And if if it's not lawful or it's, if it's not beneficial, we wouldn't be walking in the spirit. And so if we're walking in the spirit, everything we do, we're just naturally going to look like and talk like and act like Jesus. Um, and so that old, old saying or the, the bracelet, what would Jesus do? Um, he would be filled with the spirit, which looks like love, joy, <laughs> peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, uh, gentleness and self-control. And, and so if we walk in those things, if we walk in love for God and we walk in love for each other, then Everything is lawful um, because we're doing what Jesus would have done. And, of course, he was able to keep the law completely. So yeah. this is what I want to get at. Um, and this is might be uncomfortable. Um, but I, For me I, I or really, for the, the other people? Uh, no, I'm just kidding. For the other people. <laughs> Maybe you too. I don't know. But, well, let's see. So... Um, I, I was having a conversation and my my brother here knows about the conversation already and so it's everybody knows Monday's Halloween and so we'll talk about the issue and, and how this can apply and, and what can be done about it and then I want to take it even a step further uh, because I think this is going to hit home with a lot of people. So a, a brother of mine that I, I really respect and I um, think has, is filled with the Spirit of God and and knows a lot about God's word, 
was saying uh, that any Christian who participates um, in any part of Halloween is um, basically uh, practicing or um, following or messing with the demonic. And so while I think that that has a lack of understanding of the the origins of Halloween. So Halloween was originally All Hallows Eve, which was the day in which Christians celebrated their loved ones who had already gone home to be with, with Jesus. Um, and then All Hallows Day, which is November the 1st, was the day that we re- we celebrated the resurrection of of the dead when Jesus comes back, and so it was all about Jesus. Now, has has Satan twisted things and turned things over the years so that they look and and seem and appear to be demonic? Yes, absolutely. Is there demonic forces at play in in how some people do Halloween now? Absolutely. Uh, am I going to celebrate Hall- Halloween? The truth of the matter is, brother, I I try to be careful, and if I say it, I, it's a slip of the tongue, and I don't mean to. I don't celebrate anything other than than Christ. Um, yeah. That there's now, nothing. Don't get me wrong. I go out and get some candy. Yeah. Know, <laughs> right. Uh, but, but yeah, there there is a difference between being out and being present and and celebrating. You know. Yeah, ab- absolutely. And so I'm not going to go to parties and and. Um, conjure demons or mess with magic or um, get drunk or I'm not going to let my children wear revealing ungodly clothing um, which as much as the the magic or the demonic has its place in Halloween the the most demonic thing about Halloween today is is how um, how immodest the costumes right. are, um, and yeah. how revealing the everyday life too. That's not just, you know, exactly a Halloween thing now anymore. That the most demonic thing, the, the worst part of Halloween is now an everyday thing in our, Absolutely. our society, our culture. Yeah, Absolutely. And so while I'm not going to participate in, in those things, is it unlawful for me to take my kid, let my kids dress up and, and play fantasy and have youthful experiences and get candy? Yeah, that's lawful because what's what's lawful to me? Paul says, and, and I was wrong, part of that's in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, but the full statement is in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Um, and it, it says... That everything is permissible, but not everything is beneficial. Everything is is lawful, uh, but it's not beneficial. It, it doesn't help. And so, is is going and getting candy and letting my kids dress up is that um, is that lawful? Yeah, absolutely, it's lawful because everything is lawful. Can I even use those type things to to share the gospel? I've seen it done, right? Um, yeah. Our church is having a trunk or treat, um, mm-hmm. you know, on Sunday after the church service. And we've got, we're expecting guests in church because of it. Um, right. 
And so we're going to use it as a gospel tool, just like Paul used um, the the idol um, of the unknown God to proclaim Jesus Christ um, in the middle of of pagan worship. Uh, And so if if anybody went into the demonic and used it for the case of Christ, it was Paul as he went into the demonic idol worship of the Roman uh, Empire and proclaimed Jesus in the middle of it. Um, And so we can proclaim Jesus anywhere, use it at any point. And those are the places we should be. You know, right. claiming the most it, like I, we, we did a trunk or treat at a church I pastored over in Murray and yeah. I I got I put it up on Facebook for all of the people in the community to see and yeah. we we had you know a couple hundred people come through that and yeah. we carved pumpkins with them yeah. uh, and guess what? We didn't carve anything demonic. We carved like crosses and stuff. And I, <laughs> right. I became a master pumpkin carver, but we right. had food. We had candy. They threw pies in my face. We had a good time and people got to fellowship together. They got to learn more about Jesus together. Mm. We got to share the gospel mm. to so many different people and invite people to church. And people were saying, thanks for letting Satan on your doorstep, mm-hmm. like messaging me that like, Hey, thanks for letting Satan on your doorstep. Mm-hmm. And, uh, <laughs> there was, I had, you know, maybe I shouldn't share that but <laughs> thinking no. in my I mean, head, you know, you're probably thinking the same thing. Oh, well, I didn't see you there, <laughs> but I didn't say that to anybody, but right. I thought it would have been a funny thing to say. I didn't see you come out there, but, right. uh, but yeah, it's, it's this, weird concept and i think it's very legalistic i think it's very nitpicky and when we say we don't want to cause a brother to stumble we don't want to do things that that are unnecessary but we also don't have to tiptoe around that's another thing because because sometimes we tiptoe around thinking we're going to cause someone to stumble but sometimes the accusation sometimes the problem that someone has with you you're not the one that's about to cause them to stumble. They're trying to cause you to stumble. And you have to have a little bit of spiritual maturity there to determine, am I the one about to cause someone to stumble or are they trying to make me stumble? And if I have an opportunity to be a part of my community and praise Jesus while I'm doing it, I'm going to do it. If people are praising Satan around me, that's on them. I'm not right. praising Satan with them. Right. Absolutely. So I'm going to, I'm going to go out. I'm going to do what I need to do. I'm, I'm going to take Maisie when she gets older. Uh, I might not even wait till she gets older because uh, I know that there's going to be a lot of Snickers out there uh, <laughs> coming up. So I might have to dress her up and take her out and I'll dress her up as a bumblebee. Uh, right. Can that be satanic? but yeah you know uh, you can be a little nitpicky sometimes and and legalistic on some of those things so when it comes to legalism and nitpicking don't always worry about those things as you're going to cause someone to stumble think about it for a little bit pray about it seek the will of god and if he's not convicting you going out and mm-hmm. doing those things, going out and being a part of a community, then do it. He'll right. let you know what the right step is. And I can tell you for one, as a Christian, I have never felt convicted 
about going out on Halloween or doing right. things during Halloween. I have felt convicted about some of the things I've done over my right. life during Halloween. And right. I walked away from those things. Right. But never once have I been like, man, I can't go trick or treating or I can't take my children trick or treating or anything like that. Or I can't do a trunk or treat at my church or a fall festival or anything like that. So, yeah. So, and, and one thing you pointed out a great, great point. We should, we should always be concerned with what we do and how it's going to affect others. But, but one thing we have to, to do is always keep the Bible in context. Mm-hmm. Paul is, is talking to a church when he says that. Mm-hmm. And what he's talking to is more mature believers dealing with immature believers. And so what he's doing is, is somebody that has uh, spiritual authority over somebody else. And so if having a trunk or treat is going to affect weak Christians at my church, then I shouldn't do it because I am the spiritual authority. However, now what I mean by that is if it's going to affect a a lot of people and cause them to fall. Now, um, right. Uh, not just like one person. Not know, just one person. Because then we'd never do anything because someone's right. always going to be upset. Because <laughs> we can't always agree. However, if yeah. you're struggling thinking you're going to call somebody outside of your sphere of influence, outside of the, the authority that Jesus has given you to fall, everything you do is going to cause somebody to fall. In, in fact, did you know that the Bible says the gospel is a stumbling block to those who are perishing? What what that means is that even the Bible itself is going to trip people up um, because it's because it's offensive. I mean, I mean, it is. There is one way. That one way is Jesus. That's offensive to many people who believe there are many other ways. But guess what? Yeah, it's truth. And so that's going to. And it's offensive because Scripture tells us we're wrong. Right, right. Absolutely. That's a quick way to get canceled today. Tell someone that they're wrong. <laughs> right. Know? But uh, it's it's the most offensive book in the world, I always say. But it's also the greatest book in the world because it's offensive because it tells us how wrong we are. And it's the greatest book in the world because it tells us how to get right. And that's where people start to stumble a lot of times because they don't want to do what it takes to get right. And it's a very simple thing. Uh, yeah. it's, it's simply putting your faith in Christ. Giving yourself to Christ, and that's how you were made right. Even though you were wrong, you were yeah. made right in Christ. Yeah. And then I want to go just a step further with this. So now I hope you have the freedom. You understand the freedom, and you understand the application of that freedom is that you can do anything for the glory of God that you want to, and as long as it falls within being in lockstep with the spirit under the fruits of the spirit and in love with God and love with each other. Uh, You can do anything for the glory of God. Now, let me ask you this, brother. What happens if somebody's listening to this, say next Friday, they, they forget to download or, uh, or whatever. And so they're listening to this next Friday and at the Halloween party that they go to, 
uh, this weekend or on Monday or whenever they go, uh, they drink a little bit more than they they should, and they get uh, they get drunk. Or uh, let's say, God forbid, that they get into a um, sexually compromising position and commit sexual immorality, or um, maybe not even going that far, but they wear something that's revealing and, and cause um, lustful thoughts and for the purpose of causing lustful thoughts. I mean, you can't control what other people do, other people, but, but you can control you why can you're control doing something, why you're doing it. And so if you're doing it because you want the guys to look at you or the girls to look at you and say, wow, look at that. Um, then that's sinful. It's prideful and lustful. And, and so that, that's why that's, I don't wear my muscle shirts anymore. Right. Yeah. I'm just, I'm yeah. afraid. <laughs> but uh, say they did that. They're a confessing Christian. They, they've trusted Jesus. They are, are truly trying to follow him, but um, they're every once in a while they're messing up or quite frankly, a lot they're messing up. Um, can they still be a Christian or are they still a child of God? If, if they have truly come to a place of repentance and they're truly trying to seek God, they're just weak. Um, yeah. Can yeah, they stay? I think, yeah, I I think that true faith. When you put your faith in Christ, you're sealed. Mm-hmm. It, it's done. You don't. You're, you're forgiven of all things past, present, and future. And and we have that down payment of the Holy Spirit to secure those things for us. And that once we're in the hand of the Father, Jesus says, no one can pluck us out of that hand. Yeah. Uh, now I do believe that sometimes people make a profession of faith, but never truly follow Christ. And then they live in their sin. But I, myself, I, as a Christian, I fell very deep in my sin. Uh, you know, maybe not near as far in some areas as like David did, where David fell in his sin and committed adultery uh, and had the wife uh, or had the, the husband of, of Bathsheba, Uriah, killed on the front line of battle so that he could cover up his sin. You know, he was the man after God's own heart and he fell deep in sin. I I went through a time in college where uh, I, I was just so mad about so many things in my life. And instead of giving those things to God, I I gave those things to uh, alcohol and partying and things like that. And I can tell you this, that God was with me while I was there. He wasn't enjoying what I was doing. Right. He was saying, you need to get out of here. And I would hear that, mm-hmm. but I would ignore that. Yeah. And it, and he, he kept tugging on me. He kept convicting me of those things. But I can tell you, as a Christian, I've messed up. But here's what God called me to do. He called me to leave it. Just like that adulterous woman. Uh, she was caught in the act of adultery. Everyone was standing around her. The Pharisees were saying, by the law, we're supposed to kill her. And that's what the law said, to kill the adulteress and the mm-hmm. adulterer. There was supposed to be a man there, but for some reason he was absent, right. even though yeah. they were caught in the act. <laughs> right. But it, you have this, this point there. He recognizes her sin. Mm-hmm. Yet he forgives her. 
Yeah. But he says something very important as she is at her lowest, yeah. naked, in the sand, before the Savior, mm-hmm. completely exposed. He says, neither do I condemn you. Right. Go and sin no more. Mm. And, and so he did not condemn me for my sin and he will not condemn me for my sin because I have that promise in Christ, but he will convict me when I am outside of his will. He will let me know, Hey, that is not the path that I am on. You need to get back behind me, follow me and you will walk in my righteousness. You will walk. And I always say this too, when you follow Christ, we're not under the law, but when you follow Christ, you're going to fall under the law closer than you ever did trying to live well outside of Christ. Absolutely. Absolutely. And and that's the point of, of what we're saying tonight is that once you're in Christ, you are freed. You're freed from the penalty of sin. You're, you're freed eventually from the, from the, Uh, presence of sin. Um, You're freed from the weight of the law because your sin has been completely paid for. In fact, um, and and this this might get me in trouble, um, but I, I think it needs to be said, once you are forgiven, there is no pressing or no imminent need to ask for forgiveness once you sin because you are already forgiven. Now, it's important to confess our sin and to repent because we need to realize when we make those mistakes and we need to grow closer to God. But the truth is, is that with or without that admission and and that um, asking and pleading for forgiveness, we're forgiven. If you're in Christ, you're forgiven. Um, And so go ahead. Well, and we take that, you know, from, from the Lord's prayer, you know, father, you know, forgive us of where we have trespassed and help us to forgive others that have trespassed against us as well. Mm -hmm. But when we take that into context too, who is Jesus talking to at that time? He's talking to, a fallen, unsaved humanity. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, he's talking to humans that still have not received forgiveness. That's right. And um, now, I don't think Brother Rob's saying you can't say, "Father, forgive me." No, I but still if, do. Uh, yeah, I do. I, I do all the time. Yeah. Uh, you know, oh God, forgive me for that. But I say it in this realization that I never had to say it to begin with yeah. because he already has forgiven me. And that I've already so forgiven we, Yeah, yeah. And, you know, the realization of that means so much more than words. So many so many people use the words as, as some way to justify themselves. If I say, Father, forgive me, he's just going to forgive me. But then I go on living the way mm-hmm. I was. And uh, as as I'm saying, oh, he'll forgive me. That license to sin, that's not a relationship with Christ. That's that's a religion based right. around Christ. And you're still lost and dead in your sin. 
right. uh, you, you're, you're still in need for forgiveness. It's time for you to call out right now and say, Father, forgive me. I'm a sinner and I need you. And when you experience that true forgiveness, you'll realize at that moment, even though you may say it 20 million more times in your life, you <laughs> no longer have to say, Father, forgive me for every little thing you do yeah. because you are forgiven once for all. That's the, what the writer of Hebrews says, once That's for right. all. That's right. Absolutely. And we, so yeah, we might get in trouble for that. Yeah, but we get in trouble for a lot of things. So it's not <laughs> yeah. the first time. But, but we want you to walk in freedom, in the grace of God, understanding who you are. You're a child of God. When, when my son does something wrong, he, he came and he had a fork in his hand and he wanted the controller, uh, the remote control of the TV tonight, and, and I didn't give it to him. And so he stabbed me with the fork. And so I beat that little butt. And um, not sure if I say, should say that on air, but I did. And, uh, I'll come and bill you out of jail. Sounds good. And so, uh, so after that, I picked him up. I wrapped him in a hug. I gave him a kiss and I said, I love you, buddy. But when you don't get your way, you can't hit people. Mm -hmm. My relationship with Jesus is just like that. When I mess up, he's going to convict me of it. I'm going to realize it. But then he wraps me up in the love of his grace. And I know that I'm forgiven and free. And that's, I, I want you to understand that walking in, in Christ there's a reason the gospel is called the good news of Jesus. It's because it's good news. The good news is that you're forgiven and free forevermore. You are a child of God. Brother, you want to yeah. close us out? Yeah. And if you didn't take any words in from anything we said tonight or this morning or this afternoon, whatever time you're listening to this, is that grace is not the allowance of sin. Grace is the freedom from sin. That's right. Amen. So take that with you. Walk in that freedom. Let Jesus lead you. Don't let people lead you. Don't let your selfish desires lead you. But let Jesus lead you and you will not go wrong. Amen. Yeah. So let's go ahead and let's end in prayer and uh i just want everyone to know we are so thankful for you listening to this podcast uh we we didn't expect for it to do as well as it has done i i know uh that that we have uh, a lot of faithful listeners and uh and i say faithful not in the sense faithful to us but faithful to christ i want to encourage you to go out this week and continue to live faithfully for jesus 168 hours but let us pray father i thank you so much uh for your grace that even though we don't deserve it even though we couldn't earn it you give it to us anyway yes so father as your children help us to walk in your grace freely living for you walking in your footsteps walking in your righteousness and help us to lead other people to you. Help us to be a light in this extremely dark world, Father. Yes, and Father, if anyone is listening to this that has not put their faith in you, continue to convict them of their need for your love, for your grace, their need for your son, Jesus. And Father, if there's any way we can help someone out this week, put that person in front of us, whether it's another brother or sister in Christ, 
or whether it's a lost person that needs to hear more about you. Father, use us, your church. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks for joining us today. Every week has its trials and tribulations, and we want to encourage you to seek Christ during those times. We want to pray for you during those times. So look us up on Facebook by typing in Faith 168 Podcast and send us a message. It can be a prayer request, or maybe you want us to answer a question that you've been contemplating. Just send us a message. Thank you so much for joining us today. And we will see you again in 168 hours.